If you had to describe the kingdom of heaven to someone who had never been to church, how would you describe it? What images would you use? What examples would you point to? After two detailed parables about a sower and seed and weeds, it kind of feels like someone asked Jesus this question today. Tell us more about this kingdom of heaven. How else would you describe it? So Jesus tells a few more short stories to help our imaginations. These stories are found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 33 and 44 through 52. Jesus told another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and planted in their field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when it's grown, it's the largest of all vegetable plants. It becomes a tree so that the birds in the sky come to nest in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, which a woman took and hid in a bushel of wheat flour until the yeast had worked its way all through the dough. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that somebody hid in a field which someone else found and covered up. Full of joy, the finder sold everything and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one very precious pearl, he went and sold all that he owned and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that people threw into the lake and gathered all kinds of fish. When it was full, they pulled it to the shore where they sat down and put the good fish together into containers. But the bad fish they threw away. That's the way it will be at the end of the present age. The angels will go out and separate the evil people from the righteous people and will throw the evil ones into the burning furnace People there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. Have you understood all of these things? Jesus asked. The crowd said to him, yes. Then he said to them, Therefore, every legal expert who has been trained as a disciple for the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings old and new things out of their treasure chest. So we have these additional pictures of the kingdom of heaven. A mustard seed, yeast, hidden treasure, a merchant who searches and finds fine pearls, and finally, a net. Each of these short descriptions expands our understanding of God's kingdom. So let's start with the mustard seed. It's the smallest of all seeds, and it grows into a tree. Emphasizing the size of the seed might refer to those modest beginnings of the kingdom of heaven being realized on earth. Jesus marks the commencement of this era. He might be saying to the crowd that from these very modest beginnings, 
great things will come. Jesus later uses the same example when he tells his disciples that the faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. Again, what is seemingly invisible can have an overwhelming impact. Like the seeds that we've heard about for the past few weeks, the mustard seed too will produce a yield more than anyone imagines. And then we have this comparison to yeast. We know that when yeast is added to flour, it causes the flour to rise. It's a key ingredient in bread making because without it, bread cannot be fluffy and light. Which tells us that perhaps the kingdom of heaven is transformative and uplifting. Without God's reign, life would be flat and dull. And it's the presence of God's kingdom that empowers God's people to rise above life's circumstances. If we think about hidden treasure, like the kingdom of God, or switch it around, the kingdom of God being like hidden treasure that has been found because it brings joy, gives us a pretty incredible picture, right? The man in this story, in his joy, goes and sells everything that he has so that he can buy the field. He's so filled with joy that he risks everything to obtain more. For the possibility of finding more treasure and thusly joy, the man sells everything. So the kingdom of of God is not just joy, but joy that is worth everything you have. And then the merchant searching for a pearl. Again, like the man who finds a hidden treasure, this merchant sells everything he has to find this pearl, excuse me, to buy this pearl of great price. Jesus is teaching us here that the kingdom of heaven is a treasure, valuable, and something to be valued. And Jesus invites us to think about the fact that the kingdom of heaven is something to seek out, not easily obtained. And then finally, this comparison to a net. A net that catches fish of every kind and then sorted into good and bad. As in the parable of the weeds, Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven as diverse and inclusive. And the angels come and separate the evil from the righteous. But let's first note that the net contains all sorts of fish. Just as the fish exist together in the sea, It is perhaps a call for us to live together, exist peaceably, and leave the judgment to God. It sounds pretty simple when it's all laid out for us like that. And I'd like to uh, thank Jennifer T. Kaland, whose commentary um, those notes came from, for laying that out for us, right? But there's still something mysterious about it, something 
that doesn't sit quite right, maybe, or something that continues to poke at us or um, be calling our attention the same way a pebble calls our attention when it gets stuck in our shoe. Matt Skinner talks about the nature of God's reign in these parables. And not only in these parables, but throughout Scripture, we see God's reign sneaking in unannounced or sneaking in to undermine what appeared to be unquestionable foundations. I mean, for goodness sake, Jesus was born in a manger. The king of the world, the word made flesh, came to earth as a humble baby, born amidst animals. That's pretty unannounced and undermines much of what we think are unquestionable foundations. As we work together to live out our identity as disciples, we are also invited to live into a future that can get really weird. There's a familiar prayer that we like to pray, and we ask Jesus to lead his people into ventures of which we cannot see the ending, by paths as yet untrodden, through perils and opportunities unknown. This prayer can bring relief to those of us who are overmatched and overwhelmed. But this prayer also threatens those who are contented. It declares that there's no value system beyond God's ability to reconfigure. The reign of God creates entirely new realities that bring new expectations of what might be considered normal. And in the parables, Jesus is declaring that upheaval is afoot. The woman in the parable of the yeast hid the leaven in the load of flour. So what is the reign of heaven like? Like a surreptitious act, implanting something undetectable that will spread through the entire place, transforming it, lifting it, making it something new. The man who sowed that single mustard seed may have had no idea that his land would soon be thick with invasive plants. Maybe he thought he could keep it contained. But the rain of heaven is like that metamorphosis of a cultivated field into a wild and leafy bird sanctuary. Once the rain of heaven takes root, it will grow. It will do its thing. And the neighbors might snicker about what it did to your field, but soon they'll discover what happens when the wind blows a seed or two or fifty onto their land. The rain of heaven is unstoppable. At the end of the day, near the destination of those paths untrodden, it is the hope that Jesus' followers, if not the whole world itself, might embrace God's reign with a joy and commitment so intense that it seems foolhardy. 
Someone who buys a field in order to secure a buried treasure looks like a swindler. And a merchant who liquidates all of his holdings to buy a single pearl is essentially removing himself from the merchant business. When Jesus says that the reign of heaven is like these kinds of situations, at the very least, he means that the good news has the potential to reorder everything when it sinks its roots. And so, these parables deserve to be met with some very nervous laughter. We're no strangers to unexpected disruption. We've been living in what everyone has been calling a new normal for months now, and nothing is normal about it. We wrestle with what the best choices are among a myriad of not great choices. And yet, God has been present God has been moving in a variety of ways to help us see what it would mean to be the church. Perhaps we are thought of as foolhardy, or others are mad at how the mustard seed has grown and infiltrated their backyards, while yours is full of leafy branches and new birds and maybe even some pests. We're in a time of reordering. We see that not only in the church, but in the larger culture as we respond to political disruption, as we respond to uh, the pandemic of COVID-19, as we respond to racial justice issues and all sorts of other forms of justice. There are opportunities that abound to truly live out the love of neighbor through very simple and small acts. Things like wearing a mask when we're gathered with others, listening to the voices of our siblings of color and our LGBTQIA siblings, and then acting in partnership with them in the work that they have been doing for decades. Learning new information, and being willing to change our minds. To say, I hadn't thought of it that way before. Thank you. And even more acts of striving for justice and peace for all people, in all places, in all the world. And this can happen in the ordinary, everyday lives that we lead. We heard today about the sower of seed, a woman baking bread, a fortune seeker, a merchant, and a commercial fisher. Jobs that we can easily imagine folks having today. A farmer. A food service employee. A business owner. A commercial fisher. God is active in what they're doing, the ordinary tasks of their work. And this invites us to see the signs of the kingdom of heaven in our own day-to-day lives. To recognize 
that it is emerging in our very midst, whether we're gathered in our family group, whether we have a small group of friends, or whether we're on our own staying connected through the computer, the telephone, and other ways of technology and communication. This becomes an invitation to us to cultivate the practice of seeing God's work among us. And so we can ask ourselves, what do we expect to see? And where do we expect to find it? And maybe even my favorite question, have there been times when our expectations have been overturned? As we think about these questions, as we talk about them together, as we share what we're seeing and hearing and learning and understanding, my prayer is that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear where the kingdom is present in the midst of our everyday lives, where God is surprising us with newness of life, and where together we can work with God to bring God's kingdom another step closer to its full flourishing for all people. Amen.